Hernandez. Welcome to another edition of Words on a Wire. Our guest today is LA-based poet Matt Cedillo, uh, who I've actually heard about him, gosh, I want to say years ago, in fact, uh, just uh, around the way through the poetry circuit in California, particularly. Uh, everywhere I'd go, it seemed people were talking about this up-and-coming young poet, this fiery poet um, by the name of Matt Cedillo, who had a lot to say. Um, and so I was finally excited when I heard that he had dropped his debut collection of poetry, uh, titled uh, Mowing Leaves of Grass, and um, I'll introduce him now. Uh, born in El Sereno, California in 1981, Matt writes from the vantage point of a second-generation Chicano born in an era of diminishing opportunities and a crumbling economy. His writing is a fearless, challenging, it's fearless, challenging, and at times even confrontational, a blend of humor, history, and political fury. Mowing Leaves of Grass is his debut collection of poetry, and that's out with Flower Song Press coming up right now on Words on a Wire. Matt Cedillo, welcome to Words on a Wire. Uh, thank you for having me. Absolutely, man. It's my pleasure. And um, actually, before we get into this, I want to remind our listeners that this is the, uh, you're listening to Words on a Wire, the pandemic series, the pandemic version, because we are not able to record out of our KTEP studios there on the UTEP campus right now because of COVID. Uh, we're actually recording out of our homes. Um, and we have some pretty fine equipment, good enough, I think, but sometimes my internet tends to cut in and out. So, we do our best to have our editors clip that. But if you catch a little bit of that delay at home, that, that's the reason for it. Don't want you to think, wow, what's going on with the funding over there at, at KTEP? You know, they're, <laughs> they're not able to keep up to the standards of broadcast quality. But it's, that's why we're recording out of our homes. And Matt, so I just wanted to say that. But you're in your home in Los Angeles. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Right on, man. Good. Well, you're doing a lot of wonderful things there. I know I've heard about you. Uh, I've heard your name by, by way of various poets from Los Angeles and artists. And uh, when I was in Fresno, when I was living in Colorado, when I'm in El Paso, uh, your name tends to kind of circle back. And I'm like, yeah. So when I heard that you had come out with, you dropped your first, uh, your debut collection of poetry titled Mowing Leaves of Grass uh, with Flower Song Press. I was like, I got to get that book and I got to get, get a chance to talk to Matt. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm, I'm again, deeply honored. And, and whoever is saying things about me, you know, if it's positive, I thank you. And if it's negative, no, it's um, I thank you as well. You know. <laughs> it's, it's probably uh, true. It's all positive, man. It's all positive. Um, yeah. Well, why don't we um, give our listeners a little uh, sample and have you read a poem for us uh, first, and then we'll just jump into some uh, questions I have for you. Sure. Okay. Um, Here's one. These are born in summer homes and palatial groves where pain was only to unfold from the pages of secret gardens of different groves, but not I. See, I come from the stock of star-eyed astronauts who beat the night sky with big dreams and wide eyes, always running down the devil's highway through occupied America. On the way back to us on Mango Street and all the books you didn't want us to read. There's a handball off the back wall of a banaderia born East of the River, post Mendez versus Westminster, one generation with red lines and diplomas that were signed at those dreams. And that skin need not apply. See, I come from struggle. And if my story offends you, as long as you made the mistake of seeking your reflection in my self portrait, see this, well, it's maybe about you. Because some are born of the common core. Whose reflected faces grace the pages of doctrines discovered in ages to be explored. World, world hardships crashed against New Shores, New England, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York. For others, pushed off Turtle Island, Aslan. Do not call this brown skin immigrant, child of the sun. 
son of the conquest, Mexicano blood running through the veins east side of Los Angeles. Do not tell him it would need a tongue and song would best be sung. Do not tell me who I am. Because I was racist like you. Miseducating some of those very same schools off lessons and legends of honest Indians and Christian pilgrims and a nation of immigrants all united in freedom. That is until they pulled aside my white friend, pointed directly at me and said, Scott, I judge you by the company you keep and you spend your time with this. The same old story, 1846. The adventures of Uncle Sam, the stick-up man, a wet bag. Show me your papers now. Give me your labor, the melting pot. They were made for the hands to clean it. The American dream has always come at the expense of those who talk to you. You don't know that. You don't teach it. Could write you a book, but you won't read it. So you know what this is about you. And 1492, and the Treaty of Loop and California missions and Arizona schools, these racists that try to race us as we raise our kids in cities that bear our names, which you can learn some days from Ferdinand to Minuteman from Ohio to Alamo from Bobo Woodrow to Joaquin the Indian as it lives in me from April to 8th, Missing 43, and try to bury us. They didn't know we were seeds. Canadian minds, Lino Strike, the Blandeala, Miss Abada, Wakimirena, Nathanaelitas, Brown Berezi, Zapatistas, Richard Nixon, the Napoleon, from Peckinpah to Houston, from Lone Republic to Christopher Columbus, all the way down to Donald Trump. We didn't cross the borders. The borders crossed us. Who you calling immigrant? Pilgrim. And that fire and contemplation is by poet, LA-based poet Matt Cedillo, reading from his debut collection of poetry titled Mowing Leaves of Grass, which we are talking about today. Matt is my guest. Matt, um, yeah, that's, uh, you know, I, aside from the language itself and the poem itself, your delivery of it is just, um, I mean, it just it's just the other half of the poem. You know what I mean? You, we have to hear you read it. Um, and luckily, I've had the pleasure of, of hearing you read before. So as I was reading these poems throughout the book, I kept hearing your voice in them, which is a very kind of your, your style. Um, I mean, it's, it's a clearly a spoken word style of, uh, of poetry, but it's also very conversational um, in the way in your delivery. You know, it does feel like you're having a conversation or that someone's in conversation with you. In fact, it sounds like some conversations I've had over bonfires <laughs> with friends, you know, <laughs> but, but obviously right. much more articulate. Uh, yours is much more articulate. <laughs> um, you know, that I want to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have a question for you. I'm leaning towards a question here, but your books, uh, one of the blurbs is by Paul Ortiz, who wrote uh, Emancipation Betrayed. And he describes your book. He says that the work is full of history, tragedy, anger, and struggles of working class people. And um, obviously the title is an allusion to Walt Whitman's Leaves of Grass, uh, which is a pivotal work in the canon of North American poetry or maybe poetry in general. Uh, but uh, can you break down for us what the intention and concept behind your title in this book is yeah so well, people uh well, people tend to know about uh, uh what women is that uh, that you know it, like you said he's, he's one of the um preeminent um uh, poets especially in you know north america and american uh, poetry united states is kind of like it's probably between him and Edgar Allan poe is to like kind of like those canonical you know who's the the most you know celebrate or whatever right um and um but what, what may, many people don't know or more more people are coming to awareness is that he's, he was deeply racist um and that he um he's got these horrific quotes about Native americans horrific quotes about uh enslaved africans and um he also has uh, some pretty terrible things to say about uh, about mexicans and and, and, and um, proper and proposing and, and being kind of a proponent of the mexican-american war uh he was actually um as a journalist he wrote of what is miserable inefficient mexico to do with the um, 
great mission of peopling the new world to noble race. And there's a couple more words in there, but but that was essentially the the, the kind of the, the key, the the, the, right. the core of it, right? And so you know, you know, he's, he was a he was a proponent of the Mexican American War. He was uh, mm. a deeply white supremacist, even in even in Leaves of Grass. There's a poem I believe called something like um, I forget the name of name, the exact name of the poem, but it's it's about going to California. And he talks about, you know, he says, California, I will teach you some robust American love, right? Well, you know, Leaves of Grass is published in the 1850s. What does that mean to talk about teaching California a robust American love? I mean, what this is following the gold rush. This is looking at the period of uh, the time of, um, of the Greaser Act. This is looking mm. at a time of, um, you know, of um, the foreign miners tax. So you're looking at a, a whole period of time that is the, the dispossession of, of, of Mexicanos, of Chicanos, in California and the brutal murder of these people by, by agencies such as the California Rangers uh, in California and Texas, Texas Rangers and et cetera, et cetera. So you're, you're looking at a horrible, horrible time period uh, from Hicanos that this guy's talking about teaching California robust American love. So, um, you know, right. that's my feeling towards Walt Whitman. Like you do something like that, hundreds of years later, someone like me is born and writes a book called Mowing Leaves of Grass and we'll see how far it goes. <laughs> but also then within that title mowing leaves of grass conjures obviously this idea that you know the gardener idea of the gardener you know sure. um which is um you know one of the stereotypes i think and uh, i mean it's one of the truths about you know what we do here in this country as as immigrants or as yeah. not just mexicanos but immigrants in general you know central americans just immigrants from all over the world actually that you know we're the ones who the immigrants are the ones who are you know the backbone of this country um, so mowing leaves of grass is, I felt right, was right. a kind of an allusion to that or kind of a nod or a wink towards it, that it, as well. It, it absolutely, it absolutely is as well. So that's what says, you know, in the poem, at the, in the title poem, it says, uh, 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 you know, forget Walt Whitman. Is, I mean, like it says, uh, Joaquin returning triumphant, marching to all students on mowing down leaves of grass. Right. You know, forget Walt Whitman. This is an Art Lebeau dedication, right? So but that, that kind of, that kind of, like, that kind of, that kind of, um, the kind of like high and low, you know, this, this this nod to working class kind of thing. I mean, like to me, that that's really, that's really a lot of a lot of, you know, a lot of what this book was intended to be was basically to be a celebration of of um, of the working class in general. I mean, when it, when it comes to when it comes to that against like kind of against this you know idea that this, this mystification of like what art is, right. um, and 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 Mexicanos um, in particular. Right, because right. like you know, in the United States of America, um, you're you're absolutely right to point just just migrant labor in general is treated a certain way, but in the in the American psyche, there's this real concept of of Mexican labor, of mm -hmm. the idea of Mexicans as having as as being the carriers of unskilled labor, what they call unskilled labor. Right, and um, and and, and it permeates all kinds of things. I mean, when you hear like even in like let's say the sport of boxing, right, where Mexico is one of the one of the dominant countries in the world, right, you know, in 172 countries. Mexico has the second largest amount of world champions, but they have this concept called Mexican style. And what is Mexican style boxing? Unskilled. It's 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 unthinking. It's just barbaric. It's just like tough. Right. They're just so tough, but they're right. unskilled. Well, how? Well, if they're so unskilled, why do they have the second largest number of world champions uh, in, in the world? Like, right. if, if it was unskilled, that doesn't make any sense. Right. And then you also hear people call Mexico call these fights and say he's not your typical Mexican brawler. He's not your typical Mexican. So you always will champions for all these atypical Mexicans, right? So th this kind of thing, but just as just as like just as Mexican skill, Mexican style for whatever it means, like we're talking about like pressure fighting, that requires that's like inside fighting, that requires a big deal of skill. 
requires a great deal of intellect, and so too does landscaping. That requires a great deal of of of, of time management of like going to a block and you're like I'm gonna mow these. I'm gonna like you know I'm gonna I'm gonna basically mow four lawns here. I have three hours. I have two men. That's a lot of management, right? That's a lot of like yes. if, you, if you look at like when they come they, when they when they do their work. They, they hit like four or five houses. They get, they, they get certain clients like, Hey, I did your nails one, you know, ask your neighbor about me, you know, there's yeah. all kinds of that, that, that requires um, all types of multitasking. That's incredibly skilled. That's incredible. That's, I mean, like, you know, like, you know, you, you try to get up off your, if you're, if you're not, you know, you're, I mean, like a, a random person has no against doing that. You just try and just, Oh, I'm just going to go do this. Right. And of right. course it's, of course it's skilled labor. Um, but like, and the same thing goes for housekeeping. I mean, like, you know, to, to, to manage your time, like, okay, I have seven, I have seven rooms here. I have two hours to get this done. You know, I mean, the amount of multitasking required that, but all this labor, which is not well-paid, uh, which oftentimes like in like certain meatpacking industries is very dangerous. Oftentimes all this kind of labor is associated with Mexicans who are very hardworking, but not very smart. Right. So that's kind of this, uh, this kind of idea. And so that's kind of what I wanted to really. Uh, embrace. I wanted to hold on to this concept of hard working because I do work very hard. I mean, I, I, yeah. I personally, I mean, and, and um, yeah. but I'm also really intelligent, and yeah. and not just I'm really intelligent. Um, we are really intelligent well, as well that, as being very hardworking. You know, and that leads yeah. me. You're absolutely right, and that leads me to actually th- another question that I had considered asking you, but but now I think it, it. I have to ask you, which is, you know, your own personal investment in these poems. Um, you know, one of the things that seems uh, a lot of a lot of writers, uh, young writers, particularly myself included in this, um, you know, when we when we begin to write, we begin the journey of, of the poet's journey, uh, whatever that means for every individual. You know, we tend to write from a place that is uh, now I'm generalizing here, but we tend to write from a place that is external. We, we you know, um, and, and I'm, by that, I mean, you know, we'll look at issues and causes around us and we'll want to address that. Um, and and again, you know, that. Sometimes, I mean, obviously, there's a, an investment that we personally have in whatever the unjust co- injustice is, um, but yet we tend to, typically, again, typically speaking, not write ourselves into that necessarily. We kind of keep it as an external, um, you know, reportage or an external poem about what's what we see outside of us. Um, so I wanted to ask you, and obviously yours is a balance between both of those. Your balance, your poems are balanced yeah. in that way. You you sort of bring it into the personal, then you kind of go back, telescope back out to the external. You're doing that yeah. sort of dance. But what for you, um, you know, as you said right now, and I, I thought of this question because you said, you know, I work hard also. I work hard, but I'm also intellectual, you know. So what of you uh, is are in these poems, you know, uh, I I'll just leave it in that sort of broad way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like, I'm kind of like fortunate in that, like, um, um, it took a it took a while for me to focus on like just getting a book out there and being serious about it and doing that kind of thing, right? And, sure. And more most of my focus was like on on just you know doing like uh, um, you know, like speaking at, at colleges. You know, so that was my first goal. Like, for, the first thing I was like, okay, well you know, just to get featured at an open mic. And then it was beyond that was like, wait a minute. Okay. That guy just talked about doing a college and that pays pretty good. So I'm like, okay, now my focus on getting colleges. So I wasn't really focused on getting published in, in this journal or that journal or getting a right. book published. I was focused on speaking at universities, doing workshops and doing that. So, so much of so many years of focus was on that. So, so much of my early work was that it was, you know, like was what exactly what you're describing this kind of like distance kind of thing. Um, and I feel like, most people either go all the way inward and they're just like writing about like just just completely just like their their memoirs and they're like 
right. <laughs> like you know, my 18-year-old memoir or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, or, or they do the other thing, which is become like an anthropologist of their own life. You know, that's <laughs> very, very detached from their own, from their, from, from, from like, you know, they become like an anthropologist of their own, like mom or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Really yeah. Bizarre. Yeah. Uh, both, both, both very strange behaviors. Um, uh, <laughs> Uh, that 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 we tend to do when we when we first pick up a pen because we think that that it's not really an extension of our life or something I don't know and yeah. it seems like a very natural process that everybody goes through so it's nothing right. not, not judging anybody so it's like but I I too I too I began that way um, but by the time you know like by you know by the time when leaves grass comes out I've been doing this for like 10, 11 years so right. it started it just started to just make more sense to just like uh, uh, ease my own experiences into these things. But, you know, like in many ways, like I've, I've gotten to speak at many universities and that's been a real, that's been a real, um, it's, it's really just changed um, my life yeah. and, and how I perceive myself and how I feel about myself in ways that, that all for the better. And, 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 and I'm, I'm very grateful to all the people I've got to work with and, and things like that. But at the same time, like in, even in doing these things, I still, there's still like this stigma, there's still like this whatever. I'm still like being invited to universities and having my intelligence right. questioned, right? Because oh. you know, because I'm Mexican descent, because I'm Chicano, right? You know, like right. this idea that like, like well, you could talk to us about our experience, but now you're going kind of broad and like, why are you, you know, you're like, you know, why is that Mexican talking kind of yeah. attitude that like that, that happens and it's going to keep happening to me? And it doesn't matter how far I or you or 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 anyone um, uh, of us um, can 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 march along. Um, this 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 bizarre world of of status and stature, whatever, until right. we're collectively free, until that 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 stigma is collectively removed from any of us, right. and and that that and that means that like this 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 thing that like Mexicans aren't smart, um, right. right, that 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 permeates culture in the United States has to be defeated, right, it, it has to be defeated for any of us to actually properly pursue our dreams, for actually for any of us to properly be able to whatever and not to be told that we're smart for Mexicans or something like that, or that we're smart. And would you say that that's one of, one of the goals of your collection of poetry or your poetry in general? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, that's what mowing leaves of grass. That, that's actually at the heart of mowing leaves of grass. Right. Some of this other stuff I told you, uh, I was talking about this unskilled labor and this, 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 this kind of line. that I have another, I have another collection I have planned in the future. Nice. And that one's gonna be called Mexican style. And that one's much more directly about that. But mowing leaves of grass was really about this idea that we don't need people like Walt Whitman to look up to. Right. You know what I'm saying? We don't need right. people like Walt Whitman to look up to because he looked down upon us. So we right. should not be looking up to people who look down on us, which is not to say Walt Whitman wasn't talented, which is not to say Walt Whitman didn't have skills. Right. not to say any of those things. What it is to say is that there are many people who are talented. For instance, for instance, yeah, Timothy Hernandez is very talented. <laughs> and I didn't pay him. you to say that. <laughs> I'm very talented. You should look up to me. Juan Felipe Herrera is very talented. Right. Uh, Laura De Cervantes is very talented. There's lots yes. of people that are very talented who 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 are who you know create incredible work. Right. And um and there's not any teaching California robust American love in it. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. We don't, we don't have any American we love. With- we don't have any celebration of, of 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 us getting of us getting hanged and. Uh, right. you know getting blasted you know what i mean like right. that so like that that we don't need that i mean there are you, you you can get that without you can get like quality poetry without a celebration of the murder of your ancestors mm. with that uh would you share another poem with us sure um let me see, let me think, let me think. okay how about um 
Tell me what page or what the name of the poem is so I can follow you. Um, I have your book here. So. This one I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to do a poem called The Servant's Song. Okay. Got it. Thrones of Blood. Thrones of Blood, Empire of Sweat, Chambers of Commerce, Ministers of Finance, Columns of Debt, The Law is Print. It's right a script. High priests preach the evangelical canons aimed steady, the doctrine of famine and luxury, war is progress. Property is sacred, starvation is the market, your mouths are reckless, look at the gates. They are blood ready. Captains of industry. Lords of limited liability, well-dressed murderous thieves, the modern kings of corporate speech walk among us as loaded guns, chambers locked full of legal teams, legalese, and just enough finely printed legal degrees of separation to wash their teeth clean predators. In every sense of the word is the wolves run. The night. Capitalists. Gather around a bonfire to listen to the servant's song. How vain are we? How vain are we, us composed of cosmic dust, set beneath the stars to chart out our brief chaotic lives in time. It takes our small, fragile, distant eyes to finally see the light. Praise be the sky. Praise be the day and praise be the night. With your steps moonlit, press your face to the wind. Let the harvest drink you in. Blessed be our lungs. Oh, how our lungs have blessed us, your body. Conduit between breath and the divine. Praise be divine. Praise be the joy it brings to your eyes at this. Both guests and hosts were pleased. A servant, clever and observant, unburdened by the groundbreaking decisions at the shoulders of titans. And who better than one given to a life of service to serve as a reminder to breathe easy, how forgetful are we? How forgetful are we, our tongues dripping, tripping over one another to touch up monuments, climb ladders, success, deliver the speech of self-made men, or how we forget. The very soil we walk upon has been toiled by many hands. But even the tree's tallest branch grew from the same seed at the root as this. Both guests and hosts were amused. At a servant, humble, yet with sense of purpose. And who better? And when given to a life of service to serve as a reminder of the divine order of all things, how tragic are we? How tragic indeed are whole lives, boulders and mountains, and the drive to make sense of them, oceans to conquer, soil to bleed, and to each a plot of sun, a job to be done, please. Please. We push this rock together. Do not strike at us so mercilessly. At this, neither guests nor hosts were pleased. The night had become political. But what good is a servant whose demands exceed their purpose? The capitalists cried out, have we not been good to you? Have we not given you all that you have? And in all your years of service, have you not heard? Have you not learned the law? Is threat. It's right. Is death. Look at the gates. Supreme justice reigns upon us. In the servant's quarters, the servant's daughter sings a different song. Hmm. One of blood and conquest. Fire and vengeance dawn in the horizon of a new day rising. Dreams of Hacienda burning reeds of the gallows, the guillotine firing squads and basements full of Romanovs. She laughs. She weeps. She dreams, she speaks with the others and with each passing day. They grow strong. Wow. 
And if you're just tuning into Words on a Wire, that's the voice of LA-based poet and activist, also Matt Cedillo. He's reading from his uh, debut collection of poetry titled Mowing Leaves of Grass. It's out with Flower Song Press. Um, Matt, that, that was a fantastic poem. And in fact, I'm looking at the poem that comes right after it, Defend the East Side. Um, you know, and, I, and it reminds me of something that I had thought about as I was reading the bulk of your poems are written, obviously the listener right now, our listeners can't see the poetry, but, but I'm going to try and describe it. They're written in, in kind of, um, they're written in one long stanza and they're, they're almost written in a kind of list like style, almost catalog. And it made me think yeah. of writers like, and also that there's, it made me think a lot about like a documentary poetics in some way where you're taking even some of the language that you see around you in your community and, and pulling that into turning it into poetry. Think yeah. of like uh, writers like Ernesto Cardenal, um, I think of writers like uh, the Russian poets Mayakovsky and Yevtushenko, uh, which are you know some of my favorite writers as well. But this very kind of long blockish language with like um, pulling in found language that you see in the streets in your community and your surroundings, incorporating yeah. that with your own thoughts and images. Um, what is it about that kind of approach to poetry that that just attracts you? Well, I, I kind of want the whole thing to be a seamless experience, right? So. For me, you know, what I what I do is very much like a magic trick. I mean, like I, I there, there, it, it has components, it has parts, it has, there's all kind of moving parts, but they should be really seamless to the audience, right? So if I wanted to, I could break these up in stanzas. I could even break these up into acts to show you right. exactly how I did it, because I write in a three act structure. There's a beginning, a middle, and an end. And in the beginning, this a world build in the middle, and it's going to expand by the end. This other thing's going to happen. You mentioned defend the side. I mean, the way that I wrote Defend the East Side is actually I took like what I wanted to do, topic, details, point. My topic was gentrification. The details were the sights and sounds of, of uh, East L.A., Boyle Heights, El Sereno, uh, Lincoln Heights, and City Terrace. So I was going to like think about, okay, I need to get I need to get details from each one of these five places, right? Right. Um, and then the point was to fight gentrification. Now, mm-hmm. I'm going to break this into Act 1, Act 2, Act 3. I decided to put that on a life and death cycle. So in the beginning, it is... Um, remembering the dead. In the middle, it's starting a family. In mm. the end, it's remember me when I'm dead. Ah, uh, no. right. I can so, see that. so you, it, it just seems like it's a big long block, but actually, there's like so much that goes into it. Um, there, there's so many, there's so many little tricks that there's so many little, little things at my disposal that I that I use to create it. Um, because I, I I'm a real big believer in investing in both style and substance, right? Like so, you you, you know, like I think that people say like all style. Uh, no substance. People say um, this right. and that. People, people are always bashing the concept of like having them really stylized. Like, Just tell me something important. I don't care how pretty the, the words are. Right. But for me, the, the better you communicate, the the more the more potent the message will be. So right. you have to invest equally in both, and so um, and you have to treat them as a as separate but interlocking, um, separate but interlocking processes. Mm-hmm. Right. So my role, my my the demands I put on myself as an artist. Um, are very high and the demands I put on myself as, you know, um, you know, somebody that's out there fighting the, the good fight um, right. are also high. So right. they come together and, and this, is the, this, is, this is what, this is the result. Absolutely. So, so, but yeah, but like, but the, but the way it's written, it's, it's not written to convey any of those things. So I don't want people to know my tricks. Like I want them just, to, I want right. them to experience something. I just want them to experience them. So that's why I don't have it like, that's why I don't, I don't do, I mean, like other people can do what they want, but like, for me, that's a distraction. When I start like, you know, like putting a poetry in like a graph and it goes like this and this and that and 
start putting them in thought bubbles or or yeah. even like doing the weird stuff with the lines like here and then this here that, that that that's not even weird my book is weird that i don't do that <laughs> right so i'm the weirdo to not do that this is what everybody does right so they have yeah, a line yeah. it's like it's like space 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 tab 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 and the yeah. lines here in this part of the page and maybe that looks more inviting to the eye and maybe that's what people expect out of poetry more but for me that's a distraction i don't want you yeah. to be distracted by by where things are spaced i want you to just read the words uh be overcome with them the emotion and 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 I, I I don't even use a lot of adjectives. I don't want you to be right distracted by anything. I right. yeah. All I want for me, my artistry is about juxtaposition. I, I said this. I said this. I said this. It came in this. This in this order, and the, and the the execution of the artistry was um was really just in the in the order of the operation. Right. 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 But this happened first. This happened second. This happened third. By the time it was over, you don't know what happened, but right. you know you had an experience. Wow. And you don't need to know what happened. Right, you, exactly. You like, yeah, yeah, that's my job. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's right. And it does. It comes across as a well-balanced, um, and obviously now you're talking about this kind of a formula that you've developed that works for you, but also it, it is well-balanced between all of those different components um, that you know a good poem uh, should have. So that said, um, we are actually out of time. I didn't realize how fast it went by, but we are out of time. But what I'd like to do is for those of, of you out there uh, who will tune into our podcast version of this, um, I'm going to ask Matt right now to read um, Defend the East Side for us. And um, you can get that as an addition in the podcast. So would you mind doing us that? Uh... Here we go. Okay, great. The five, the one one the 10, so I have a seat for president, a funeral procession, I city terrace, no ice on the overpass is shot. On the countertop next to Hachi and the Kilas, the liquor license needed some morning prayer for the dead. The few words to the old man, so raise your glass, 60 Atlantic and the 710. To watching the simious growth through strollers, those puntos, a brick, through gentrified windows, all the better to die in your feet because life's a risk, a wedding dress, off Whittier, a baptism at a lady, a reception at a raza at the intersection of mission and disobey Trump in the shadow of Zapata, better late than never, my love will be standing here in 50 years like fire and memory. There are things to protect like imagine long after I'm gone and the children grown, Corazon and Mariachi watching kids flip ollies over burning effigies of America's latest flaming races like we did when our eyes were young, when our eyes were locked, when our hands were born. You'll remember me driving the 60, the 5, the 710, but this world still exists, this life is lived like fire, like memory. Like all that is worth protecting. Defend these side. Wonderful. And again, that is the voice of LA-based poet Matt Cedillo, who's reading from his debut collection of poetry. It's a wonderful, fantastic collection. Um, you should you. go out and get it. It's titled Mowing Leaves of Grass. It's out with Flower Song Press. Matt, it's man, it's been a pleasure talking with you and connecting and reading your work. And we look forward to everything else that you're gonna put out yeah. there. I appreciate it. You know, everybody, you know, people buy the book and Sit there next to a Google thing because I mean, there's so many references in there, like fire memories of like I mean th that that alone that was like a reference to Edward Galliano. I mean, so there's, there's so many things right. in like in the book that are like that. So yeah, it is. It's a rich book. It's a rich uh, work. And you know, hey man, congratulations to you again. And you know, uh, when you come out with the next project, uh, Mexican style, you give us a call and and we'll have you back on the show. Okay. Appreciate it. Thanks. Well, that wraps it up for this edition of Words on a Wire. I'd like to thank our special guest, poet activist Matt Cedillo. Be sure to pick up his debut collection of poetry titled Mowing Leaves of Grass. It's out with Flower Song Press. Also want to give a big shout out to our wonderful producer, D. Wu. Also, thank you all to, to you listeners of Words on a Wire. And uh, we look forward to seeing you here next week. Same time, same place right here on KTEP 88.5 FM. Mm -hmm.